0: It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com shift. Kate Hudson is a somatic experiencing practitioner, conscious leadership group coach, and avid dog walker to Lake Michigan in Chicago. She enjoys blending somatic work with context coaching as she supports individuals, couples, and groups to wake up to the wisdom of their bodies and live with greater aliveness day-to-day life. Kate Hudson teaches me about somatic experiencing and how this powerful therapy reconnects the body and mind and allows the person to really experience their body and listen to what it is saying. We explore the power of curiosity as a tool for understanding the body and for understanding our emotional responses. Kate shares some wonderful tools and practices for helping truly experience life and live mindfully in the present. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just looking forward to learning so much from you and just being able to share with our audience uh, what it means to uh, experience your body. Great, yeah, I'm excited to be here. All right, so obviously now you're working with the Conscious Leadership Group, which I love, and, and also working as a specialist in somatic experiencing. And obviously, there's so much in all of that. Uh, Let's start with just the idea of your conscious awareness and and how how important it is to learn to be aware of yourself.
1: Yeah, right. It isn't commitment, isn't it? To say, I'm going to choose to step into awareness. Sometimes it can feel easier to just not.
0: Right. Well, I think most of us just go through life and don't realize that we have that option.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So conscious to me is being, is is the experience of waking up to life as it's occurring and my responsibility in co-creating life just as it's occurring.
0: Oh, love that word. Co-creating is so powerful. Yeah. Right. I think one of the challenges for for many people is obviously we all have many. Uh, one is the voice in our head mm-hmm. and and wrestling with you know who that voice is and, and how that voice is you know, typically trying to stop us from doing great things. <laughs> can, can you share a little bit about having an awareness of that voice and, and our ability to to change its tune?
1: Yeah, sure. So this inner critic voice that many of us have that's saying you can't do that or don't get too big or you're going to outgrow the people in your life where you love if you keep going in this direction. And I imagine there's some real wisdom to that voice, right? The The voice of fear is really a helpful voice in that if there's really danger, we want to pay attention to it, right? We don't want to ignore that if there's actual Threat there. So oftentimes when I start to feel fear when I'm expanding into something new, I go, okay, fear voice, I'll hear you out here for a minute, right? Is there something you're actually pointing to that feels like a threat that I need to be awake to, right? Maybe there's something in my body that's saying, wait, hold on, slow down or go this direction. So I don't want to completely disregard the voice of fear, and I don't want to let it drive the bus, right? I don't want to allow it to just take over and run the show.
0: Oh, that's so good. Obviously, in these times, we just the idea of safety first. I'm a big micro fan, and, and he's, he, he's a guy that just does all these hardworking, dirty jobs. And, oh, and, sure. and the idea of, and, and of course, with, with this recent pandemic, they've come up with the idea of safety first. And he's like, obviously safety isn't first because if safety were first, we'd close all these companies down. We'd shut, you know, nobody would drive their car. Nobody would, would do anything. And so I love what you said. We can't let the fear drive the bus because that's what really safety first would be is, is that we put the, we put the fear in charge and he's like, Oh no, we got to park the bus. (laughs) We can't even, we can't even drive the bus because the bus is dangerous too. Um, and, And the reality is that, that in life, in, in our circumstances, we recognize there's risks and there's fear related to those risks. So I love that driving the bus analogy. And I love, you know, who we, who we put behind the wheel is really important and that's, that's an important consideration. So thank you for sharing that, that metaphor and that idea.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of times for myself and the clients that I work with, sometimes fear and excitement can feel really similar in my body Mm -hmm. Right, and if I'm trying to move toward more and more aliveness and excitement and creativity, it's going to feel on that edge. And if I label the sensations in my body as fear, then my mind might say stop. Whereas sometimes I pause and I go, like, wait a second. Actually, I think this is just excitement, and I want to be tracking aliveness and excitement in my life. So let me continue to do steps in that direction. Really like, what are we labeling those sensations as?
0: Oh, so good. That's like, you know, standing on the cliff and deciding whether or not I'm jumping in the lake or whether or not, you know, wait, that's too that's too far to jump, right? And yeah. <laughs> fear and excitement kind of play play side by side. And there's people that just love, right, thrill seekers. We know, all of us know th- thrill seekers in our world that you watch them do stuff, they're going, all right, that's too far, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I, I don't want to go that far. Um, I think for many that the fear is the challenge of of pushing our comfort zone and and it's stuff that that's that seems so simple in, in many cases like like making a zoom call or making a sales call or you know, some of these business related things that you don't recognize it as the cliff right the cliff is obvious there's a there's a thrill there's an emotion there there's a but but staring at your phone saying oh, i don't want to make this phone call because i'm afraid i'm going to get a no and you're, and of course my my conscious brain doesn't say any of that right that's all happening unconsciously i think the challenge is when the fear and excitement layer are are, are hidden
1: yeah i think it can be unconscious fairly often and then we we'll let we let the unconscious one rule rule the whole show instead of saying hold on a second i'm going to own that i'm afraid a big part of the conscious leadership group work and my somatic work is about, can I be gentle and tender toward the scared one? Mm. right? It's Can I accept myself for just being scared? And usually that scared one is actually kind of a younger version of myself who really didn't quite know what to do back then. And I look all grown up and adult now, but that scared younger part is going, what's going to happen here? Are we going to be able to be safe? Are we going to be loved? Are we going to be, able to feel like we have some control. And so I, I do a lot of practices around softening to the scared one, rather than saying, no fear here. And I just think that whole campaign is, it's just not reality. It's not how we're wired as human beings. We're going but, to be scared, but can I, can I be tender and loving toward
0: that scared part? It's the same thing when we tell them, you know, don't be angry, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah don't, don't be angry, anger. And, and I think back to my dad's generation and, and how they were taught not to experience their emotions at all, especially right. as a man, right? Oh you no, know, men don't cry. Men don't, you know. Oh, and you can't get angry. Oh, and you can't. And they have nowhere to put any of any of these emotions because because they're no longer allowed. How, how do you help somebody start to be okay with their emotions? I love that you said we want to be gentle with that that other side. How, how do we help? pull those emotions back out of the deep hole they've been shoved into and and allow somebody to experience that that emotion out of themselves
1: yeah yeah again i think it's first validating it makes so much sense that you haven't been willing to feel your emotions that's probably Mm. really protected you maybe it's got you some love you know it served you for a reason you're not crazy for not being willing to feel your emotions great and giving people a reason for why exactly would i start to feel my emotions what is the benefit of this and i always say that they all emotions run through the same hose Mm. so if i kink my emotions around anger or sadness or fear i'm also kinking the hose around joy and creativity and uh, the pleasurable emotions that we might label as positive Mm -hmm. And so if we, if we kink that hose, then I'm actually kinking the hose to be able to feel all the good stuff too. And Hmm. that's a real reason why it might pull someone toward being willing to feel more emotions because, well, I actually would like to feel more of those, right?
0: And then I- Absolutely. hmm? Well, and I think because they've been, the hose has been kinked, there's, well, there's this idea that, that some of these emotions are so bad that you can't handle them, that that they're going to lead to an outcome that that you don't want and so 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 for some they want to keep that hose kinked on the anger and they want to keep that hose kinked on the fear and because and they, they they think it's protecting them
1: yeah and in some ways it probably was if i got mad at my dad for instance right some people might say i that wouldn't work out very well for me so i'm not going to feel my anger and what's true is anger is an important emotion to pay attention to because it's the emotion of stop enough, right? That's, there's something that's not serving us here anymore. And I don't trust leaders or friends or family who aren't really willing to be with their anger in clean ways because it comes out sideways.
0: No, that's so good.
1: Gotta go somewhere. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Whether we like it or not. So if someone's willing to be with the somatic experience of anger and move that through as a wave moves along the ocean, just a wave of energy that moves in our body, uh, then what ends up happening is that it completes rather than getting stuck.
0: Mm, that's so good. I want definitely want to explore deeper into just explaining what somatic is. And,
1: yeah. but the
0: idea that, that our emotions don't have to be stuck, right? They don't have to stay within us. We experience them fully and allow them just to move on their merry way. And and I think for many, they feel like that, I guess, first, they don't recognize emotion as a signal, right? And, and I believe more and more that emotions are really signals. It's the body sending messages. It's the way the brain communicates to the heart. It's the way the heart communicates to the brain. And of course, the rest of the body saying, you know, hey, we went in on this too, right? And so those signals are, are, are going around all the time. But the signals we have to be aware of, obviously fear is, you know, triggers that fight, flight, freeze mode, which is very important for our survival. And and I think the challenge is that our culture has created this this stress, this angst, this place where people are living in fight, flight and freeze a hundred percent of the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think for a lot of us, it's an easier place to be because it's so familiar. And the idea of stepping into another way of being not living out of reactivity, not living out of that fight, flight, freeze faint is what, what does it even look like? So I'm just going to live in a fear-based state of reactivity because I can't even comprehend another way of being.
0: Oh, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, it, it first it messes up our body chemicals to a point of, you, you know, the brain is dumping the wrong chemicals constantly that are only designed to be dumped. You know, in, these are for emergency use only. They're not for constant use, right? And, yeah. and I feel like, oh, when you... When you get to experience life without those things firing, and the right, like you said, the happy chemicals, the the dopamine, the the good stuff that that feeds your joy and feeds all those things, if you don't get to experience those, that adrenaline and things that dump in the fear and panic mode, yeah. start to lose their strength, and so then the body dumps even more of those. No wonder we're drugging people left and right to try to try to help them feel whatever balance or I think all we're doing is making sad people, sad people on drugs, but (laughs) that's a different conversation.
1: (laughs) Yeah. These nervous systems are, there's a lot to learn from them. And if we are kind of shrinking the sine wave of the energy through some Mm -hmm. medication, then we might be missing out on some really significant wisdom that these bodies are trying to point to. I agree with you. What
0: a great, what a great way to, Communicate that. Yes. So let's so let's talk about soma. What what is soma? What is somatic?
1: Yeah. So this practice that I'm trained in, and there's a, um, a whole community of us worldwide, is called somatic experiencing, and it's created by Dr. Peter Levine back in the 1970s, and he just started to pay attention to how there was the psychoanalysis and talk therapy and all of that has a lot of value in the world, but we weren't really tuning into what is the body communicating Mm -hmm. and how does it want to naturally heal? And there are more, um, Uh, communications sent from the body up to the brain then the brain down into the body so we think if i get my mind all right my body will feel better but it's actually if i get my body feeling settled and in a state of peace and equanimity then that will communicate to the brain all good Right. So this practice of somatic experiencing is tuning into the body, tracking with sensations, quite literally sitting down and saying, you know, as you tell me that story of what occurred for you yesterday or way back when, what is your body feeling? Mm. What are the sensations that are here? And beyond just, you know, like my toes are cold. It's like I have swirling in my belly or I notice there's pressure on my chest or tightening in my back, those sorts of sensations. And then we track with those and the body communicates, what does it need to heal? Mm -hmm. How does it want to move that energy such that it could complete a protective response that it didn't get to complete before?
0: Oh, so good. And and it it really is just another level of of conscious awareness, right? You're actually allowing yourself to recognize where where are you feeling that feeling? What is that feeling telling you? Mm-hmm. and and allowing your brain to interpret its own messages that it's been missing because the hose was kinked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of us again are afraid to go into our bodies because we're much more aware of those sensations of fear, right, or anger or sadness. And so the idea of going down there, it's like let's just stay up in the thinking mind. That served me pretty well. I'm evolved. Let me let me keep That intelligence center is the primary focus. But my experience has been that if we can befriend the nervous system, befriend the sensations, learn to ride those waves, that it actually can really create quite a bit of freedom because I'm not so, you know, I have this knot in my stomach, but it's not taking me out. Mm. Or I have this fluttering in my chest and I trust it.
0: Absolutely. Well, it it really does create a a different level of awareness and allows you to really experience those feelings those feelings come up as as signals and you're able to see the energy in it and allow the energy to complete its path right and not get stuck and so that that's so just i love the energy connection to to our our thoughts and to our emotions and to me this is just all so fantastic because science is finally catching up to people like Wallace D. Waddles and and some of the, you know, James Allen, you know, who wrote years ago that as a man thinketh, so he becomes. And, and and these are these are just this is science, you know, and you're obviously Dr. Levine's empirical evidence is overwhelming, right? The results he's getting is is incredible. And obviously all of the people that he's trained and and helping around the world now, which is so exciting that 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 this is coming to the forefront and, and helping people.
1: Yeah, I think it's really a powerful tool for healing and for waking up and wisdom that um, might begin to make some kind of significant changes in how we are as humans with each other. Well,
0: and I love the idea of not that you know, no, not t- giving anybody advice to to stop taking any medications or anything. But I, but I love the idea that it's allowing the body to do the things it was designed to do, yeah. without needing the interference of of medications or or the other things that are that are going on. We're not we're not treating symptoms. We're treating somebody holistically.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, have a, I have a lot of empathy for people who are afraid to go off medication because they're afraid of what tidal wave of emotion is going to come or tidal wave of sensation will be there. And I think that um, the experience of getting support for ourselves around that process, not just from professional, but from a community of people uh, where these you know communal beings. And so getting ourselves around other bodies, uh, I think is such an important part of this and learning more and more about the value of like, quite literally physical touch and how important it is to uh, regulating these nervous systems and how um, I think that's been a main um, loss over the last couple of years is the work mm. of touch.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think, I, I think our medical system between the pharmaceutical companies and doctors, they want to help and, and, and their approach to help was, yeah. was, you know, Hey, this is like a headache. Let's, let's treat it like a headache. And, okay. and, and and they've come up with solutions, although I, I, I don't know that the solutions, like you said, the solutions are really shrinking the, the emotional sine wave and, and the things people are experiencing. And the problem with that is then your experience window is so tight, right? Like it, it's it's taking away their joy as much as it's taking away their sadness. And, and so that's so challenging. Um, I experienced this with my brother-in-law. He's He's 10 years younger than my wife, though so 15 years younger than me. And, and we took him into our home at, when he was in eighth grade because he was experienced anger and outbursts, and his mom was scared of him. And they put him on Ritalin and, and, and we took him to a hockey game and he sat at this hockey game and just stared at the ice. And I'm like, oh no, we are no longer, we're stopping that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we stopped, we stopped medication and we just allowed him to be. And he spent the whole summer with us, we never had an anger outburst we never had and I can say now that he's doing really, really well as an adult and it just the challenge of that that tightened you know that smaller emotional window um, for me was enough to say oh this is not this isn't what we want and and I know that it helps others and it and, and it can it can change behavior obviously, which is a lot of cases I think we're just treating behavior rather than <laughs> Been trying to help the person experience and process their behavior. Um,
1: yeah. and it's what is the behavior pointing to? What do we get to learn about this person in how they're showing up? Hmm. There's some reason in which they're, um, they're presenting in this way. So how do we ask questions that are a little bit more curious about the reason behind it?
0: Oh So powerful. I love the, the curiosity, right? There's a, there's a, incessant curiosity behind this methodology that, that's so mm-hmm. fantastic. The the ability to say why don't we just ask some more questions wow. and, and be willing to even ask your body questions right what if you start asking your body questions your body's going to start giving you answers and, and that's it so wants to tell
1: us yes it's ready to explain itself and give us all the information we just need to slow down and tune in.
0: Yeah I, I really really just love that that idea at one of the levels I, I, I'm a Marine. And, and so um, really appreciated the work that you guys do with PTSD and helping combat vets. Mm-hmm. And you and I've been talking about emotional pain and emotional feelings, yeah. but for those people that are experiencing PTSD, there's really a step before that. Right. Can you explain the difference between those two steps?
1: You you're speaking to the physical actual experience of I've been in a traumatic experience. And yeah, I'm coming home. And I of course have a emotional response to that. But my body registered something here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when our nervous systems are in a threatened state, quite literally in a war zone, right, or in a car accident, or in an assault or an attack, they want to protect themselves we have an innate desire to stay alive and so thank god yeah right thank god it's (laughs) kind of fun to be alive yeah yeah and so they do whatever they can to protect themselves and sometimes that looks like fighting and sometimes it looks like fleeing and sometimes when the safest approach is just to freeze Right, And a lot of times then the body, when you're in a war zone or an accident or an attack, it doesn't get to do maybe what it instinctively wanted to do back then, like Mm. flee or like fight, because it wisely froze or... Did curled something. up in
0: a ball on the floor. <laughs>
1: the ball on the floor,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. So this is giving the body the chance to run or fight or just honor what it wanted to do back then that it didn't. And this is the kind of the physicality of. Sometimes I've worked with people who have been in um, traumatic experiences where, like, they'll have some sort of chronic you know, neck pain or Mm. something that I can't explain. And doctors sort of say like, we've done all the work and there's nothing to it. And so we tell the story of uh, whatever occurred for them. And the body wanted to just, let's say, like wanted to be able to turn around and see what was happening before it happened so I could have protected myself. And it didn't get to do that. So we let the body do that a couple of times and what's so cool about our nervous systems is that they don't know time hmm. so we do that protective response and then it registers sometimes fairly quickly oh i can settle and then all of a sudden this neck pain where i felt stuck in the protective response it goes away
0: hmm.
1: or it at least well, it, significantly decreases
0: and similar with with the rage i know that rage wants to wants to attack yeah. And then they're afraid of the rage attacking the wrong people or hurting somebody. And so not only is this, there's this want in the body to to, to attack out, but then there's the body holding itself back exactly. and creating this this tension between a, a, attack and and retreat, all in one emotional thing that can't be explained.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so these conflicting impulses, right? And how do um, I allow some of the rage out. Maybe we call in S in somatic experiencing, we love the word titration. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't just pour two chemicals together. You use beakers and you do it slowly. So you titrate the anger. You let yourself feel a little bit of the anger and then you Kind of touch back out of it, and you feel a little bit of the anger, and so that's a way that the body will trust us to feel those emotions that aren't quite as safe to feel, and be able to complete uh, in smaller doses.
0: Well, and I think once they're able to release the rage, then they can release the tension of trying to hold it back.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Those go hand in hand, right?
0: So powerful, Mm -hmm. but the truth is that. You can't do the emotional work until you've done that body work because the body's not going to let the emotional work be experienced.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got you need to bring. I would say you bring the body along for the process because it it will not soften to those sensations to heal until it's honored and acknowledged.
0: Which and is why so many people have tried therapy and tried other things and it hasn't it hasn't been effective for them because they're going straight at these emotional things, right? They're, well, you're supposed to feel this, this rage and you're supposed to grieve for your buddies that, that didn't make it. And you're supposed to do all these things you're supposed to do, but if they haven't done this work, it, it won't, it won't be allowed in. It won't be the body saying, no, we're still fighting flight and freezing here. We are, we are in combat still.
1: Yeah, it's a little stuck. And I also want to just say, you know, trauma isn't defined as an experience. It, it's defined as our individual nervous system's reaction to the experience, mm. right? So I could have a similar experience to someone who's sitting right next to me in a car and my body could register it as trauma and theirs might not.
0: So, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: so just because wow. I've been in an accident or attack or war does not mean that I have PTSD, but they're
0: But that makes it even more challenging for the guys that do have, and they look at their buddies and they're going, he's, he's just fine. Why, why is this messing me up so bad? And it's not doing anything to him. And we were in the same truck. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then of course, you know, I've got friends that that they're the only ones that walked away from the truck and that's created such an emotional, you know, barnstorm all by itself, Mm -hmm. but they still need to need to do the, the body work of the explosion of the reaction to, to allow that emotional work to happen. And, And, and obviously it's a lot of work. It's not like, you know, we can get this done in one session. I think trauma is our, our brain registers trauma for some, for some people it's, you know, an assault in high school, obviously, you know, girls experience trauma in, in, in the growing up process and, and assaults and, and I think there's a lot of people that have unprocessed trauma because they've been told, you know, oh, get over it. In fact, um, interviewed a, a, a woman now that when she tried to tell her mother-in-law that she was raped, I mean, her, her mother, when she was raped, um, her mother said, you'd be lucky to have somebody want to rape you. Like <laughs> those kind of words that a parent would, you know, destroy your, I mean, literally destroy her for years and years before she could process that and let that go. Um, that, that There's so many of our limiting beliefs and so many of the things that, that our brain is held on to that were planted by somebody else.
1: Right.
0: How, how do we, how do we find the, uh, the awareness of those kinds of things?
1: Hmm. Yeah. How do we find the awareness of those things? Great question. I think, in some ways it's where do i feel stuck where do i feel like my cognitive emotive loop just keeps going and i can't get myself out of this place right it's where do i find myself complaining about how life is showing up and how do i start to look at those complaints and take responsibility for creating something different
0: Ooh, tr- i like that
1: yeah it's tricky because i i do think that you know, oftentimes people, we either change because of heat, pain, or discomfort pushing us, or we change because of a vision pulling us, right? I have a clear sense of here's what I want, and I'm going to go for it. And we humans have quite a large capacity to be with discomfort. It's amazing amazing to me how much discomfort some people are willing to sit with and be with.
0: And and I think we we mentioned it earlier, but I think there's a lot of people that have lived with it for so long that, that that's what they're used to. Exactly. And so the complaining is just a part of the, the right. misery. And, and so they'll say, Oh, I'm miserable. I don't want to be in this. I don't right. want it. Does, I don't want to be like this, but they keep making the same choices that keep them exactly where they are. Yeah.
1: yeah so it's little tastes of other ways of being, mm. other experiences that might uh, register in, in different ways in my nervous system
0: we will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue, the number two, life.com. Addvalue to life.com forward slash shift. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness.
1: The other hat that I wear that we um, have talked a little bit about, but is this conscious leadership group and the the idea of uh, this drama triangle and villain, victim, and hero and how easy it is for us to just sit in the seat of victim. Like, this is just happening to me. I'm not responsible. I'm at the effect of this is hard. That's actually a lot of times an easier place to be. Than it is to say, what do I want to do?
0: Well, it it seems easier, right? Because then the responsibility is on somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the the one that challenged me, and and I've I've always you know, the victim, even the villain, mm-hmm. the hero was was the one on the triangle that I'm like, wait, wait a minute, now yeah. this was supposed to be the good guy.
1: Yeah, right.
0: But really, the hero is is short sighted as well, and. And the hero is, is the hero comes in seeking to solve these problems for others, yeah. but, but really it's a selfish hero. He's not really solving other people's problems and he's not really, <laughs> he's just extending the drama triangle and, and keeping the, the, the whirlwind spinning. Right?
1: Yeah. The hero, or sometimes people call it the rescuer. That one is wanting to give just temporary relief to myself. Sometimes it's heroing myself. I don't want to be uncomfortable here. And other times it's heroing other people or rescuing other people. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. So I'm going to give temporary relief here for you rather than stepping back and looking at how are, how are we creating the situation that it is? Yeah. It's a confusing one for some people. They're like, what's wrong with heroing? It seems like a nice thing to do, but it's ultimately not the best for whoever you're creating as a victim and going, well,
0: I think in more familiar terms, it's it's an enabler in some in a lot of cases, right? Like I'm yeah. I'm loving you, I'm supporting you, I've got your back, I'm right here with you. Yeah. Um, and, and they're really enabling the victim behavior and allowing the victim to just keep playing the victim because they want to keep playing the hero.
1: Yeah, it feels really good to be the one who comes <laughs> in and saves the day. I love being able to rescue everyone.
0: But nothing changes, exactly. right? They keep spinning on the drama triangle. So let's talk about why do we get off the drama triangle? Yeah. What does it look like to be off the triangle?
1: Yeah. What's great is usually those of us who maybe gravitate toward the hero base, we might hang out there for a while and maybe bounce back and forth between hero and then the villain, which is the blaming voice. You should be doing this differently. Uh, And then ultimately villain and hero are just different versions of what we collapse into a victim. Mm right? So different ways in which we show up on this drama triangle that are, you know, essentially, you can only be on the hero base for too long until you just go, this is too hard. They don't get it. They're not taking my help. I'm done. I've worked so hard here. I get They it-
0: won't change.
1: They won't change. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so we hang out on hero for a while and then ultimately we collapse into victim.
0: All right. So, so ask- how, how do we get up? How do we, how do we make the shift?
1: Well, first, it's just recognizing, owning that here I am. I'm on this drama triangle. I'm creating my life this way. Here's how I'm showing up, seeing the different bases. When I do the drama triangle, it really is like I like to do it to the point where I can make myself laugh about how ridiculous it is. (laughs) It's like, oh, my goodness, I keep this. I just keep doing this over and over again. This is hilarious. So that's that's how I know I'm doing it just right when I can end the drama triangle, which I usually do for about two minutes and not much more into this is this is just a riot. I'm cracking myself up about this. And the next step is, can I accept myself? Because the drama is all a dance to hide the scared one
0: Mm.
1: who's sitting there going, I'm afraid I'm feeling at threat. My security approval or control is not it's, I'm not feeling like I have a grasp on that. So I'm going to do this drama triangle to keep myself feeling some sense of either connection or right, or, you know, ultimately um, not willing to take my responsibility. So it's acknowledging and accepting back to the somatic piece, the scared one, hmm. the one who's afraid of I'm, I'm really not sure I have those three core wants of approval, security and control. And can I be with the scared one in a really genuine and kind way? Um, Because we're not, you know, we're not getting rid of the drama triangle. This is how we show up in threat. So it's not like it's ever going to go away. It's just acknowledging I'm on it. I'm doing this dance. And then can I be with the scared one who's underneath that?
0: Well, and and the conscious leadership group calls it presence, right? How, How do we get to presence and obviously taking responsibility, um, experiencing, you know, fully experiencing the feeling, all right, scared when I see you. Okay, let's talk about what we're scared about, right? How how big of a threat is it really? And and what what's causing us to feel this threat?
1: Yeah, you're you're pointing to these the conscious leadership group in the book, The Fifteen Commitments of Conscious Leadership. There's these different 15 different ways in which we lose presence, right? <laughs> we we come out of um a trusting state, right? Above the line and below the line are sort of the the model that we use. Below the line is I'm scared. I feel threatened. They shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Above the line is I'm in trust. I'm experiencing equanimity and flow. Mm -hmm. And when we're in trust and presence, whatever you want to call it, to me, it's really a nervous system sensation of peace. When I'm in that place, something can happen and I can sit in curiosity with it and go, Hmm, interesting. You know, something that could be really difficult. Like I'm getting yelled at or someone's, you know, um, saying that I did something poorly in a presentation, right? I can sit there and take the feedback, breathe into it, not in a bypassing way, but just in a, Oh, okay, this is happening. Here we are. But that, that experience of presence—at least my experience of it—has been it takes um, quite a bit of cultivating of practices to be okay with incoming information like that. And most of us are not in that presence most of the time, and that's okay, right? It's we, about-
0: we 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 like to we we like to react, right, and defend ourselves. And, like-
1: and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least I do. I am.
0: I think most of us do, right? We're we're, we're not built to take abuse, and, and 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 so yeah. When someone says you did it wrong, you know, uh, it's it's even silly. Like, so I just finished my first book, and the editor sends back all these notes, and and you're like, wait, uh, and you you just want to hold. Why am I holding on to these silly words on the page when the editor? I'm paying the editor to make it better. I'm paying the editor to. And they're not even being abusive in their comments it's just there's this i don't know there's just this innate ego in us that says they're changing it and, yeah. and of course they're making it better and, and having the presence to be able to say that's not me they're not attacking me they're not attacking this is this is great this is fantastic this is so good for me and so good that they want to make it better yeah but but our ego is crazy.
1: Yeah. You did this holding of your heart. It's a little bit like that's, that's the protective response, right? And our egos really do want to be right. They really do think that if they're questioned or threatened, we won't survive. So I would just say, you know, is there space for welcoming? You had a fear wave that came through you when you get these solicited edits. It's not like you all of a sudden someone just said, here's what's wrong. It's like, this is what we do with our editor. So you got scared. And the practice is, can I be with the one who's scared?
0: Mm, So good.
1: Can I honor and acknowledge that, yeah, I feel threatened and I still want to keep taking steps toward Having these edits and putting this, you know, gift out into the world of what I've created here.
0: Well, for me, it just keeps reminding my brain look, it's not a saber-toothed tiger. It's not gonna eat you. (laughs) You're gonna be all right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's wild how much our egos think, you know, are there it's like a threat to our actual survival if they're threatened.
0: But but it but it also opens up my eyes to see how unaware right we we've all seen stories of husbands abusing wives and of, of mm-hmm. men abusing children and and not not to justify in any way mm-hmm. but it certainly opens up my eyes to see they've had something closed off and and hurt and this is mm-hmm. this is their only way of functioning and they're functioning at the highest level of their awareness yeah um, and, and and for me it's heartbreaking right it's like if if only they had a little bit of help right if only they had a little bit of help and and for me it's just how can we help <laughs> right and 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 then that saves the next generation and so having more people willing to better understand their mind and better understand their emotional connection to their mind and then of course their mind's control of their body and their reactions and just how important these lessons really are to to help more and more people be present
1: yeah yeah and i think i would add on to that whatever it is that i see over there in that person you know someone who's even you know being cruel to someone else can i do the work around those parts of me it might oh. look the same way right i might not be uh, physically hurting someone but there are cruel parts of me and mm. can i find loving kindness and acceptance so that I can shift into different ways of being. And, you know, whenever I'm seeing something out there that I don't like that I have an aversion to, it's an invitation to me to do the work around those parts of myself.
0: Well, that's so good. I I love that you started with grace though, right? Extend mm-hmm. yourself the grace and then let's do the work. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. All right. It's okay that you have this, this rage or it's okay that you have this anger and you want to assault somebody, but now let's, let's gently dig into what, what's behind that, what's going on. And, and I just love the curiosity being able to ask those questions of yourself, being able to ask those questions of others. Um, And obviously that's, you know, the, the 15 commitments are, are all around extreme openness, right? Extreme vulnerability, extreme openness. And, and I think being vulnerable with yourself can be so powerful.
1: Yeah, it's all about waking up to who am I? What am I up to? You know, a lot of the clients that I work with in one-on-one coaching, it's just they brought me into their life so that they can start to examine their blind spots, right? Mm-hmm. I I, I do not see myself clearly. I just um, I have ways in which it's distorted. And so I invite someone else, um, friends, friends, Coworkers in to say, "Hey, Kate, here's some feedback for you. This is how you show up, and um, being willing—that's
0: to- pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, being able, to, being open to a mentor, being open to others, and giving them permission, like you said, the the solicited feedback, right? The the power of solicited feedback, uh, because you want you want to improve and you want to show up in the world in a better way. Yeah. That's that's very powerful." You mentioned um, envisioning a different future, and so once you've done enough of this early work, right, dealt with the shock in the body, dealt with some of the emotional, um, it allows people to open up more to a future that's different, and a future that that feels different, like they want. How, how do you help them step, or just start imagining? and envisioning a, a different future.
1: Yeah, I love vision boards. I love the experience of you know, setting intentions and um, you know, I'm headed in this direction. And I think that there is some limiting aspect to it. It's like, if I'm making my vision or setting my goals from this consciousness, that's even going to be limiting, right? Mm. Because I don't even know what I don't know to ask for from God, the universe source, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> And so there is something too. I'm going to set some intentions and visions and move in that direction. And I am I be, am I willing to be totally blown away with how even more exquisite it could be, mm. right? So the the vision that CL the people of Conscious Leadership Group and myself included, and then my Somatic Experiencing friends have is to be in the world in a less, in a non-triggered, non-reactive way. Mm. So can I just be having my experience open and curious, open hearted, loving, generous. Um, I actually think we talked before about how people are afraid of feeling more and more like rage or sadness or fear. I actually think that collectively we are not willing to feel more and more of the good stuff. <sighs> joy, the creativity, the abundance, because we've just kind of recently evolved to a place where we don't, most of us fortunately don't, aren't in a threatened state all day long where we have to be constantly attuning to the threat out there, right? Right. There's not, there's not a lot of direct threat in my life, but my nervous system is still catching up to that. Hmm. So it's getting clear on, well, what, what could this life look like? How could we be, um, and these transformational beings that I think our bodies are ready and willing to do, but these minds feel like, wait, I gotta still be looking out for something here. This doesn't feel quite right.
0: It's still waiting for the saber tooth tiger. Waiting for the tiger. <laughs> right, right. So let's talk about the power of breathing and mm. and oh. the ability to to breathe, and then even even almost the, the meditative breathing with with vibration and what does that do for the body and what does that do for our ability to relate to our body? Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, what's so great is our breath is just always with us, right? As long as we're doing this alive (laughs) thing, it's here. (laughs) Yeah. And it's something that is, um, you know, a part of our nervous system and that it happens involuntarily, right? We just are breathing and we can also control it if we want to. And so it's a great place to start when we're talking about how is my body showing up, mm-hmm. right? If it's, if I'm in a sympathetic activated state, it's going to be shorter, shallower breaths. If I'm in more of a parasympathetic settled state, it'll be deeper into my belly and more elongated breathing. So it really is a resource for us to come back to, 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 if it feels manageable to settle our nervous systems a bit, Um, I don't love the instruction of just take some deep breaths. I think that that's actually not that supportive of people. It's like, can, can I elongate my breath a little bit more? Can I gently bring it down into my belly ever so slightly? And what that does is it communicates from the body to the brain. We're safe, right? We're okay they train Navy SEALs in this, right? This four by four breathing, four mm. counts, inhale, hold for four, four counts, exhale, hold the cycle of, what they call it box breathing. I think sometimes it's really is a resource. And sometimes it also can be used, I think, as a tool to not really honor that there is some activation here, right? And my body doesn't want to settle down. It wants to Actually, move the energy even more all the way through to completion so those of us who um, are part of the conscious leadership group we all have dedicated practices of meditation and to me meditation is not about having just a zend out no thought mind it's about being with whatever's here now so the practice of those 10 or 20 minutes a day is just being with what's here now and welcoming and allowing what emerges from there. People always think, I'm not doing meditation right. And like, if you're just sitting, doing the meditation, you know, listening, breathing, paying attention, directing the attention back to the breath when it wanders, that's what it is, so. It's
0: so interesting how we have this this idea that meditation is this wonderful thing where you're, you know, you're, your hands are on your knees, your fingers are touching together and somehow you're floating around the room. <laughs> not my experience that's, that's <laughs> I have I have yet to float around the room either and too. so the other the other piece I know dr Levine practices as well is 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 kind of like that yoga pose right where we're we're actually adding a vibration to the to the breathing yeah. from the stomach from the almost the, the growl the uh, what what does that do
1: yeah you're talking about this practice of vooing. yeah it's great so we have this vagus nerve that wanders all the way through our body, and it is sending signals up into our brain constantly. It's, uh, and when we feel unsettled, oftentimes it's the vagus nerve that's uh, feeling twisted or like it's got a vibration that isn't very friendly or it feels... Like, I don't, I don't like this sensation. It can be when people talk about, like, my gut is twisting. That's that vagus nerve twisting and communicating something to us. So first, of course, I want to scan and make sure that I'm not actually in a threat, right? If if I am, that's great. Thank you, body, for communicating and getting me to safety. Wonderful. If it's misfiring, there's this practice of toning the vagus nerve or vooing that Dr. Peter Levine uses all the time and I use with... Um, uh, clients on a fairly regular basis. And it's pretty simple. It's basically just a couple of rounds of inhaling a normal kind of buoyant breath. And then on the exhale, it's the sound of "voo," kind of like a fog horn would sound. Uh, so I don't know, do you want to play with it right now? Absolutely. Okay, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So I always just get myself in kind of a you know, supportive, but alert posture. Um, Sometimes I like to put my hands on my belly or one hand on my chest, one hand on my belly. So I'll do the belly one today, kind of an instruction to bring the breath all the way down there. Um, We'll take a breath here. And then the, the next one on the exhale, we'll just make that sound all the way out. Okay. So I'll start and you can join me. One more. And then we just notice how how does that feel? Oftentimes, I feel like a little kind of gentle weight on my chest and some connection to the support of the seat underneath
0: me. Hmm. I was thinking I felt the line and then I felt the seat.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is a really great practice we're in, when we're in the midst of some sort of a. Uh, uncomfortable activation cycle Um, use it with kids sometimes and we act like cows and we move Uh, yeah it's more about the tone than it is about the um, yeah
0: the exact vowel we use i like it the moo (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic
1: yeah
0: so obviously that calms that vagus nerve, but creates, I mean, I think anytime we change our body, our breathing, it gives us opportunity to change our belief to, to just, it, it, it's a chance to change things quickly. Right. And, um, one of the things that I always recommend for people is, you know, when you're not, maybe not to fight flight freeze, but when you're in a place of frustration or Finding something to be grateful for, finding a, a piece of gratitude because it shifts, it shifts your,
1: yeah,
0: your focus. Um, what what is in in your in your work? What what is grat- gratitude? How, mm-hmm. how does that help our mind?
1: Oh yeah, I love pointing to the expression of gratitude or appreciation. I'm with you in. Oftentimes it can be so easy to just, you know, confirmation bias or negativity bias. I'm on the hunt for what's not right. How is this not going how I want it to? And if I'm willing to, I can find so many things in this now moment that I'm wildly grateful for. And if they went away tomorrow, I would be devastated. Right. But it's so easy to take those things for granted. So it's, small appreciations for myself if i'm someone who tends to be more, you know, inner critic toward myself or appreciations for the people in our lives or the way that i've uh, shown up today just as simple as that. A lot of people have kind of a, you know, gratitude journal, they found that what we focus on grows. So if all day long i'm just looking for, unconsciously looking for what am i grateful for, i'm going to find it. <laughs> Yeah, so at the end of each day I write out here are three things that I'm grateful for. And I try and make them kind of unique to each day. Otherwise I would just be grateful for my dog every day. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's a great practice.
0: So you mentioned practices a couple of times. So you mentioned that that everybody in the conscious leadership group is committed to a meditation practice. And now you've mentioned gratitude and, and journaling. Are there yeah. other practices that, that help you to stay centered and to stay conscious
1: yeah so i think having some sort of physical activity i don't even want to call it exercise but the movement of the body especially if possible in nature i'm here in chicago and close to the lakefront and i get myself over to that lakefront feeling the vast expanse of her beauty as often as i can the movement of our bodies i think is really important. I also think being around other humans, you know, we all have different capacities, introversion, extroversion of how much am I able to do that. But oftentimes when I can't find the good over here in me, right, I can I can borrow some of it from the people oh. in my life who love me, who see me, who don't have all of that stuff running around in their head about critical thought. So getting in community with people who you are co-committed around. How do we want to create relationship here?
0: Oh, so powerful. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in borrowed belief. And so, yeah. so being a part of a community and being able to borrow someone else's belief, yeah. just just for long enough to to step into it for yourself is yeah. so powerful.
1: Yeah. yeah, and folks can find, if they want to look up that book, The 15 Commitments, they can find lots of different um, practices. There's Byron Katie's The Work, Hal Duaskin's The Sedona Method. We're all about finding those sort of tools, practicing them ourselves, and then gifting them out into the world in ways that feel um, digestible and really useful. So a, I direct them to the book if they want well, more.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll put that in the links, of course. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Norman Vincent Peel came out with The Power of Positive Thinking. And for many, it's still a woo-woo book. And <laughs> And the ideas, you know, well, it's just, it's just woo. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the power of positive thinking?
1: Might as well, right? I mean, if I'm going to be focusing on something, well, might as well focus on that which I want to create, that which I feel is um, what I want to bring into the world. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have negative thoughts, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a human being. And or
0: experiences. Or
1: experiences, right? It's just Absolutely. like... That will occur, but if I'm going to set my course towards something, I don't know if it's magic or woo-woo or whatever, but it certainly feels to me like it's the energy that I want to be swimming in throughout
0: my life. Mm, love that. That's mm-hmm. that's so powerful. And mm-hmm. recognizing our body as as energy machines, right? Thoughts, thoughts are energy. I think dreams and ideas are our energy and mm-hmm. and our interconnectedness, I think, more and more is being proven scientifically, right? Not just just being next to somebody, our presence overlaps. Yeah. And, and I think that that's been underappreciated <laughs> up until this point. Um, and so finding people that are on the same vibration as you want to be, as you are, um, is so important Especially after these last couple of years right being able to be in a room with people that are that are at your vibrational frequency or 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 elevating your vibrational frequency I think is is so valuable
1: yeah I agree
0: <laughs> Kate I typically end with the, the opportunity just to you've had a coffee with a young entrepreneur for the last hour and you want to share Kate's words of wisdom what would you share Oh
1: Yeah, I'd say that their body knows. Their body knows what to do. So they're going to do all of the research, figure out the data, understand, you know, maybe a a business plan. They're going to tune into their emotional center, their heart. What kind of sensations are they feeling there? And checking in with the body. This gut brain has so much wisdom to it. Mm. So really creating practices and, capacity space for listening to what the body knows and making decisions from there.
0: Wow. Fantastic. (laughs) Kate, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing so much. I had a great, I just learned so much and it was just such a fun conversation.
1: Yeah. Really great to be with you on our vibrational level today.
0: (laughs) If you enjoyed the show, please like subscribe or leave a review. We have a free gift for you. At AddValueMindset.com. That's ADDValueMindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com. In our next episode, Charles has 14 years of experience as a spiritual counselor, and he's currently working as a coach counselor at Broken Chains International and is developing his own teachings and materials in his new venture, the Joyful Identity Group.